Hello and welcome to the Casually Hardcore Podcast. My name is Brian and joining me today we have the, the wonderful couple from MMO by Sticks and Mrs. Sticks joining us to talk about the state of MMORPGs, what we're excited for 2021, uh, even Final Fantasy XIV and Walker. Uh, a lot of hype, a lot of excitement around the upcoming expansion to Final Fantasy XIV. So that's going to be the idea of the show. But before we really kind of get into the topics of this, I want to just get to know them a little bit more. If you guys don't follow their content, MMObyte on YouTube and more. Links will all be in the description for you guys to go check out. Let's start with you, Mark. What are you doing? What got you started? Introduce yourself uh, to our community. Okay. Uh, my name is Sticks, or you can go ahead and call me Mark. Uh, six foot one, like long walks on the beach, typically at night when it's nice and warm, you know, the, the usual, uh, not sure if that was too personal or not, but <laughs> I mean, we could start there. Uh, I, I have to I, say always on, like when I see your tweets, it's usually when someone's like, like just kind of like being a jerk to you, like in your comments. So hey, they're the most entertaining, so, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I've been playing MMOs since. I was about 13, 14 years old. I'm 31 now. I know I don't necessarily look it, but uh, I've been playing MMOs for over half my life. Uh, started with Tales of Pirates or Pirate King Online, moved on to Perfect World International in 2008. And then I've had a, an active sub in World of Warcraft for probably 13 years now. I haven't let it drop for a single month since. Uh, like you guys, I'm also a big fan of Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, yeah, what I do is YouTube, some Twitch streaming for fun. Uh, we have a, a dedicated YouTube channel called MMObyte, uh, closing in on 300,000 subscribers. So that's pretty cool. We've actually only been doing YouTube for about four years by this point. Mm -hmm. So yeah, have a lot of fun doing that. What got you started doing the YouTube content? Honestly, I don't know how many of you guys remember Omer from MMO Hut, but I feel like he was like the grandfather of the the whole like let's play MMO scene. Uh, so I watched his videos when I was younger, when I was first playing MMOs, and then he sold the MMO uh sorry the MMO Hut channel, and uh, there were other channels like MMO Bomb and uh, Free MMO Station that opened up and. Like, I don't want to throw shade, but they just didn't live up to, you know, the standard that he set. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I feel like I might have a chance of uh, doing something similar. And <laughs> and so, you know, that uh, was essentially the thought behind creating the channel, which is why I kept it MMO Byte as, as opposed to something more personal like Sticks or something like that. So... Okay. What about you, Mrs. Sticks? Like, uh, obviously, you guys are seen as a pair. We've seen you stream and more. Uh, obviously, you're married. Like, you uh, you guys do this stuff together. Uh, what what has this journey been like for you? What's your MMO journey been like as well? So, I'm actually really new to MMOs. Uh, I didn't really play MMOs until I came across his YouTube channel. He had 10K subscribers. And I was like, oh, who's this baby YouTuber? And then I clicked over to his Twitch and I saw him and I was like, who's this hunk of a man? <laughs> and I was like, I, I turned to someone that was right there with me and I said, I'm going to be his friend. I love this guy. And I became his friend. And then we met and then we got married. <laughs> but MMOs are extremely new for me. I just played Final Fantasy 14 for the first time two, two years ago. Yeah, it started uh, January 2019. And wow, I'm baby fresh. So I am his experiment, I think, for coming to, into MMOs fresh. So that has been kind of a journey for him to be excited to show me things in MMOs that I had no clue about. So that tutorial you see in MMOs is for, for me. <laughs> I need that, that tutorial within MMOs. But I'm actually a nurse. Uh, I took some time off pre-COVID, and since I took some time off, I've been helping him with YouTube, and then we started streaming together, because he used to stream with his sister, Wiggy, but uh, she got left behind in Australia and doesn't want to continue, so it's just me and him. Well, that's fantastic, and it's also a beautiful love story that you guys, uh, you know, found each other, met, and then you get to 
both work together and you get an experience and have fun playing games. I play games with my wife uh, and I can't recommend enough. Uh, I got her playing Final Fantasy XI back in the day. And and people and people were like, how did that happen? And it was like, at the core of it was, I was just always, wasn't pressure. It was just, if you ever want to pick up the controller and you want to go smack around some of these like lizards or something like that, I'll show you how to do it. And one day she's like, all right, hand me the controller. I was like, okay, cool. And then somebody was coming over and they were walking up the driveway and she would toss the controller to me because she was like, she, like there was a stigma. There's like, you know, like, oh man, like girls really don't play games or MMOs and what, like, what is all of this? Uh, anyway, long story short, she, we ended up like enjoying it, playing it together, going and playing 14 together and things like that. So it's a, it's a really good, it's a really good thing. We're actually excited about playing New World together. Uh, Cause she played the preview with me and she looked at me. She's like, you're going to give me this game, right? Cause this is a lot of, this is really interesting. I go, yeah. So coming out this year and that's something about maybe we'll talk about that here later in a little bit. Chris. Well, I hope she doesn't throw the controller away anymore. I hope no. she takes pride in being a female gamer now. Oh yeah. She's, she owns it. It'd be a narrow it. demographic to support the game. We're looking for only female gamers that are ashamed to be caught playing games. <laughs> that's new worlds. That's why it doesn't catch. Cause it's yeah. just a very narrow market. Very narrow. Um, very narrow. Chris, I, you I only any... know Jack's films is the only time I've heard a love story like that. So like I, you're, you're in good company there uh, where I believe that she, she saw his content, but you know, I have a lot of friends that have gotten married that have met like in in game mm -hmm. so they they run a dungeon together and then you know slowly that that evolves um that's pretty cool that is all right so let's go ahead and dive into our first topic of the day uh, we're going to be talking about the top mmos that we're excited about for 2021 and we could also say and beyond uh you know things like that okay. obviously uh i would say and it, it'll tie more into our second topic about the state of MMOs, but really kind of focusing more on the excitement, what we're hopeful for, what we've seen that that's that's attractive to us as MMO players. Uh, I'm gonna start with you. Let's start with Mrs. Sticks because uh, Final Fantasy 14 is a game that we we all enjoy in this case. But what out uh, this year alone? Is there any other like games that are particularly piquing your interest? <laughs> if I had to be honest, uh, PSO2 New Genesis. Mm -hmm. Um. I'm not really excited for New World. I'm not. I'm just not. And no judgment. <laughs> if you no. were still ashamed of games, you would be. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm excited for Elyon. Uh, we did try it just a little bit. Um, it's a completely different game than what we experienced previously. Yeah, because originally it was coming out as a Sun Infinite Realm, mm -hmm. and uh, they completely overhauled the game and. It is an entirely different beast now from what we had the opportunity to try during its final close beta. Yep. Uh, if we get to get into Blue Protocol, oh. the Japanese one, yeah. yes. Play, just have y'all played the FYI here? Uh, go on, what? Y'all played it, right? Like as a part of like somebody's like, hey, like because like they cut us all off. Like yeah, I even used a VPN to try. And yeah, register. so did we, but. Uh, Thankfully, we had people just throwing their keys at us, so they had access, and they were like, "You know what? Here you go. All we require is you to just like give us a small shout out." So I did, and uh, we both got to play it for I think like forty-eight hours over Saturday and Sunday. Yep. So, yeah. but just to quickly interject here, yeah, P uh, Blue Protocol isn't coming out in North America and Europe in twenty twenty-one, but it is expected to be coming out within Japan sometime within 2021 that was their projected release date last year prior to covid to covid really setting them back yeah. so whether that still remains you know like a set in stone date remains to be seen but uh, they haven't updated anyone since so right now it is still projected to launch within japan in 2021 yeah we haven't seen an update on the blue protocol front pretty much since the last closed beta and they've had like a couple of tweets here and there that have come out. So it's been fairly quiet from Bandai Namco. I'm really impressed by what they've shown off. And I really hope that, you know, they can knock that game out of the park. Uh, is, do you think there's going to be uh, like, just kind of a general question, the lack of PVP support, do you think that's going to hold that game back? Or do you think that's going to be a strength of the game? I mean, like uh, look at final fantasy 14, the, the PVP here is, you know, like it is a part of the game, <laughs> But, like, nobody really cares about it all that much. It has its small little, 
you know, little group of people that are interested in playing it. But like for the most part, people enjoy Final Fantasy 14 for its raids, for its dungeons and its PVE community. Mm -hmm. And uh, like look at PSO2 as well, another Japanese game. Uh, they don't really have much of an emphasis on PvP either. And Blue Protocol, again, being a Japanese game, does not have any kind of emphasis on PvP. So that seems to be a recurring theme from Japanese titles. And these games are, uh, they are made for Japanese players first and foremost. So I don't think necessarily it's going to hold it back within Japan. But at the same time, if you think about it, also look at World of Warcraft. They mm -hmm. removed open world PvP servers from the game. They made it so you can toggle on or off war mode, which means that uh, there is no such thing as a PvP server anymore because the, the, the PvP player base has continued to decline over time. So, yeah, I, I feel like it's not really going to hold... Uh, Blue Protocol back because there just aren't as many people that are actively interested in that PvP aspect of the the MMO genre as a whole anymore. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's just what I think. And, and I, that's going to tie really well into our second topic. Sorry, Mrs. Tix, what did you say? With Lost Ark coming out, that has an emphasis mm -hmm. on PvP, so that is something to look forward hopefully this year. Is it too happen. late for Lost Ark? Hmm? Is it too late for Lost Ark? Like, I've played Lost Ark. Uh, and it was enjoyable, but at the core of it, like that was a game that was really looking like, pretty good in 2018, 2019, but here we are in 2021. Is it too late for Lost Ark? Is it just going to be another Korean game that kind of comes in and says, thanks. And then, and then bows out. What do you think? I think personally, whenever we stream Lost Ark, we have a slew of people that are like the graphics on this game look really good. Mm -hmm. I know the top down does bother people um so that is something that is probably a drawback but i still think it has a lot to offer in terms of the game that people would be able to enjoy that's just me. what about you Stace? I <laughs> I, well i mean i have a lot to say about pretty much every game <laughs> if you hadn't noticed but uh uh i feel like lost ark has always had uh a large active player base around the world. Uh, the means with which to actively play the game is, uh, I guess, restrictive because, you know, uh, to, it's currently released in Japan, in Russia, and mm. in South Korea. And to play the game, you require a VPN. And there are very few free P uh, VPNs out there that will actually allow you to play the game like to actually play it without lag and without constant disconnects and everything. So that has limited the, I guess, the growth of the game. But Amazon, being as large as they are, had the really potential good point. to... Pardon? I said, that's a really good point with Amazon, but sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, they have the, the potential to really push this to an audience that wouldn't have otherwise been interested in it because of their reach and their funding. Mm -hmm. But then if you think about it, like with the popularity of Diablo and the popularity of Path of Exile and the upcoming Core Punk MMO, uh, people, while, yeah, the top-down isometric perspective is a turnoff to some people, there are still a lot of people that are interested in it. As yeah. evidenced by the fact that Path of Exile has so many players, mm -hmm. yeah, that's what actually gave way to Wilson. Wilson came out in that same, yeah, the same exactly. angle, that same display okay. style, um, as a basically a Diablo, you know, it, uh, filler is probably the word I'd use, but not necessarily like in that, like, oh, it's it doesn't stand on its own, but like Diablo left a void because Diablo chooses to go a decade between titles and. That doesn't mean that people go a decade between wanting titles like that. And that's where Path of Exile and Wilson have had a chance to really shine. Yeah, I started playing uh, Last Enoch, which is another asymmetric action RPG that's in early access right now. And uh, yeah, there's definitely like that that need. We just got news, obviously, Diablo 2 Remaster, our Re yep. Resurrections coming back. Are you guys excited about that? Have you? Uh, is that something on y'all's radar? Well, not it's not her. being done by the Warcraft 3 Reforged people. <laughs> just to put that out there. Dude, Warcraft 3 Reforged was something else. There was a few missteps there. Um, <laughs> uh, I never played Diablo 2. I, I got introduced to the Diablo genre with 3. Okay. 2 is better. So, 
<laughs> oh, I feel the same way about like uh, the Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind. I feel like Three. that's better than Skyrim. So Three tried to MMOfy like two. It tried to bring in things like an auction house and stuff like that at the time. It was a re- and then they did it as a real money auction house on launch. And so when they realized that the execution of that was not what the community wanted, and they pulled it out. A system that big is baked into every aspect of the game, and so when you pull it out the rate at which things drop, the way players interact with each other, how often we're supposed to be running content, all of that stuff is suddenly off. And they don't go back into the development cycle to fix all that. And so it just took three so long to find its feet again. Um, hopefully four doesn't have any like chronic critical failures on launch, but that won't be 2021. Yeah. But I mean, Diablo 4, they're also trying to work on uh enlarging the multiplayer aspects of it from the last time i read about it back in december i think maybe it was earlier than december yeah because it's essentially they're bringing it in as like a shared world uh in a way that also doesn't like detract from sometimes that feeling of loneliness and isolation that you would experience in the dungeons etc so it's like we uh uh, we got to play uh diablo 4 and like i was impressed like i'm excited for it the uh, like diablo 4 felt like way more what I remember Diablo mm-hmm. 2 feeling like, but uh, then visually just like, wow. And then when they showed off uh, Diablo 2 Resurrection, I was like, oh, this looks interesting. Like, if nothing else, the fact that it's coming to consoles and PC with cross-progression, I, I wish they had that extra step of cross-play as well, but that has me personally excited because I think it's going to help lower the bar, let people try it out, see if it's something that, that it you know, holds the test of time. But visually, I was, I was impressed they even... They even uh, uh, addressed it visually, doing the whole Halo, uh, you know, Master Chief collect or Halo uh, anniversary collection of allowing you to toggle between the old uh, school look and the and then the new. And I was like, oh, that's that's actually quite impressive. Um, is that do y'all still do y'all think Chris? Do you think uh, Diablo two is going to be this year? Well, so the problem is Warcraft three promised made all those same promises and didn't hit them, and so you have to on one hand you have to wonder if blizzard will deliver something that they missed the first time we've already seen them take an at bat and 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 just fall hard on the other hand when they get it right battle.net is like one of the smoothest launch experiences of content they keep a phenomenal amount of content supported really well so like having cross progression having controller support um going back to a diablo game that does support pvp since we've talked about that like these are all things that diablo 2 could really latch onto and could get people really really excited about the franchise having diablo immortal to invite people in who maybe don't have any familiarity with the diablo franchise and end up somewhere with a phone and now it's not necessarily competing against you know whatever they're playing at home when they have their full setup in front of them and then they go wow this is kind of fun what if i played a more full featured title when i get home like I'm really excited for the Diablo franchise having a full mainline title, a nostalgia title that has a lot of great features that people missed the first time uh, that was genre defining and having something that's more casual based. I think Diablo is in a really good spot, assuming all three execute. Sticks, what's the what's an MMO that's out right now that is not getting a lot of attention that deserves more attention? (laughs) I mean, honestly, the... uh... The MMOs that are worth playing are already the big ones. So uh, I feel like any MMO that does not get the does not get attention is due to the fact that it is not worth playing necessarily. Because we've been streaming different MMOs over the course of the last seven, eight months. Uh We've done stuff like Blade and Soul, Terra, uh, Rift, uh, Arcage, and Tree of Savior. And just like these games that I played years ago that were a lot of fun are now the complete opposite of what they once were. Mm -hmm. And, but like Mrs. Dick said, yeah, I feel like one of the, the few MMOs that we've played that genuinely surprised us was Tree of Savior. And Guild Wars too. Yeah, but that don't get uh, the that aren't necessarily as popular as they could be or don't get. Yeah, so I feel like Tree of Savior because that was initially uh, very highly anticipated, but then it launched kind of like Wildstar did the first time, absolutely terribly, and it never recovered from that. And uh, 
I, I'm a fan of anime MMOs. Like my first, mm-hmm. my introduction to the genre was Tales of Pirates, which is an anime MMO. And then I played games like Flife and Fiesta and Florentia and all these other anime titles when I was younger. Uh, but due to Tree of Savior kind of having that anime aesthetic, like it appealed to me. And so we went back into it after its rebuild update, which came out in 2018 or 2019. And it is an entirely different game now. But people, there's still that stigma associated with it, that it was a a poorly optimized game, that it didn't have any content, that the developers or the publishers didn't care about the game. When the reality of it is after Rebuild came out in 2018 or 2019, it became a much better game. But people just haven't given it the chance since. Even though we did a video on it, like that that stigma is still there and the people still don't seem to care okay. unfortunately because it is a much better game right now okay um same question uh well similar question in the regards though i want to talk about pso2 new genesis and mystics you brought that up as a part of the, one of the games that you're really excited about what about it being an eight-year-old like mmo light and then them kind of you know um what what about it do you think is the most uh, compelling uh, overall for me specifically it's the fact that we can go in and play with our community within an anime based mmo i absolutely love creating the characters and i love the complexity of the classes and i love the ability to just run around with friends Mm -hmm. in a world it's fun for me yeah (laughs) Is there a particular class that you might be considering um, over any others to start? I literally just go in and go for whichever one I feel like at the moment. I think I play Bouncer within PSO2, right? I have been playing PSO2 for years, and still, I have no idea what class I am. So I carry a weapon and I hit things. (laughs) I kick people with, like, laser beam feet things like that that's my class i don't know what class that is but like that that's what i do that's fantastic the that's uh how you do that mmo <laughs> the was this the announcement of new genesis surprising to either of y'all like is it because this is something that i feel like it hasn't been done before but i could be wrong you want to answer first or you want me to okay well pso2 like they had announced that episode six was coming and uh, that was supposed to be the end of the the content for PSO2. That was known at that time. And uh, Microsoft had just recently purchased publishing rights for PSO2 for North America and outside of North America. And, uh, you know, like all that money had to be going somewhere. So I was always curious what Sega's next uh thing was going to be like were they going to make another pso title like pso3 or like because you don't just get given like hundreds of millions of dollars and go okay thanks and then just peace out right so Mm -hmm. what they when they announced that they were making new genesis i was of the opinion that it was just going to be like a an alternate story or something like that and it turns out not only is it a complete graphical overhaul a complete overhaul to the gameplay itself and all the mechanics and features within the game but it's also its own unique game as well that's set you know like with a it'll have its own launcher and it's its own standalone title so to me that was mind-blowing because i didn't expect them to go to you know like such a a length yeah to create something that is based on an, an eight nine year old title, so and to have I that, and to have it as a part of the same game. So it's that as we play it, we literally can switch between the two versions of the game, which is like one of the things Chris and I've been watching very closely. Like when we compare this to Destiny's Two Beyond Light, hey, we're gonna just delete out the the last three years of of content. Here you go. When we compare that to uh, World of Warcraft Cataclysm, and now you have classic and you have uh, like retail, or the, or the ter- is the terminology I would assume, uh, and then you have also uh, like Final Fantasy, uh, where it's like, yep, that we've destroyed the 1.0, we're now into uh, like this whole uh, 2.0 and forward. It's such such a fascinating piece that I wonder. I'm, I'm hopeful that it's successful because it could be the way to solve the problem of that 
10-year game that actually is more of a 20 or a 30 or like where people just continue to play it and keep returning to it uh, and more, which was the promise kind of originally. But it's always interesting to hear like how that the at least the industry developed because like with Final Fantasy 11, they didn't expect it to be more than like a, a four or six year game. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, this is big. <laughs> people want yeah. this stuff. WoW went, WoW went through that same growth around the same time. I mean, they literally pulled, they shut down almost every other project and said, we need you all on WoW. We have we have built an enormous problem. Like, we, we have got to keep these servers up. I, I think following the money is an interesting thing to point out. I think when you talk about Microsoft buying it, you know, I didn't even think about, like, okay, they, they paid a lot. I think we did the same. We watched Disney do the same thing with Star Wars. They bought a franchise in its last chapter. Why would you do that? Why would you pay billions to buy it? Because they knew the Mandalorian. They knew that they could do stuff that would would surprise us. And I was a little pessimistic. I was like, they're going to just find a way to rewrite this into more merch. Like, they're going to just extract money out of this. And and had I followed that side of it, I would have thought the same thing about Microsoft. They're just buying PSO2 to just extract money out of it until they've gotten their return. And that is not what Genesis looks like. Genesis looks like that's really giving this a whole new foundation to last another 10 years. And then who knows a new, new Genesis. And, and that's the curse of the new, like <laughs> that's, that's, that's the problem with Xbox's naming conventions. Well, like, the Xbox is Nintendo's never, as well. Like Nintendo is like, yeah, they never new. plan ahead. Like, it also on. depends on the scale <laughs> of new Genesis as well though. Yeah, true. What do you think about the scale? Like, uh, what are you, what would be your expectations going into it? Because, I mean, like, currently we don't really know much more than they are introducing new zones into the game. These zones are, you know, they claim that they're going to be much larger, hold additional players, uh, that you're going to be able to, like, uh, there's going to be more, like, environmental interaction. You can jump up and down the mountains. Uh, you know, you're not limited to just small little linear environments. So... Uh, we don't know if it's just going to be like a handful of new zones and uh, like there, we don't really know what the level caps are going to be like. We don't know how many or how extensive the classes are going to be like, if they're going to introduce new classes exclusively for new Genesis. Like we don't really know if they're going to focus on new Genesis as like its own game or if they're only going to, or if they're going to focus on PSO2 and then kind of just like port things on over into new Genesis because there is that that whole interconnected uh, uh, core of the game where the same character can transfer between both games. So, will you guys I, be using that feature? Like, will you? Will, do you think either of you is really interested in kind of passing back and forth, or do you think it'll be like WoW, where it's like, okay, yeah, mod farming is a thing, and one percent of the population does it for the rest of us? I want the pretties. I mean. Because you'll, you'll keep the cosmetics that you go back and get. So if there's a cosmetic that matches something new, you may go back and farm things yeah. for, for pretty if things from before. It, I would. Well, there you go. She would if it's worth it. If it looks attractively enough. If it's as aesthetically appealing enough for her, she's going to farm it. She'll waste days, weeks, months in there to get it. You know me well enough. We did it with Final Fantasy XIV. She's gotten the, the outfits from every single every dungeon, dungeon and raid dungeon. since heaven's word so that's that's a lot of work because you're going for the whole set from that and she drags me in with her nice what do you where, where are you keeping her? all of that where does she keep it all in her retainers stash retainers, retainers retainers man <laughs> doesn't that become like an enormous inventory problem huh doesn't that become an enormous inventory problem like i don't know if you play wow with him but like that wow is a much better system in that aspect it truly like it's is just it's just like their glamour is not the transmog is not nearly as as di diverse as glamour and you don't have die and you don't have the ability to kind of like swap when you swap the different specs it's just like it it kind of that you can save sets but you got to like interact with your yak it's 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 clumsy in some ways but like when you discover a new appearance it's just there account yeah, permanent forever and ever yep that like blew my mind because I did Final Fantasy fourteen <laughs> first, and then he took me into WoW, and I was like, "Oh, I got this shirt, and it's so cute. I want to keep it. What do I do with it?" And he's like, "You you could just throw it away. You could sell it. Whatever you want to do." And I was like, "You're done. It's already yours. And when you create a new character, congratulations! <laughs> that character has its shirt already. 
Yep. Yep. You're like level five on a new character and you're like, hold on, I got to stop real quick and update my shirt. Not a problem. And I was so excited when in Final Fantasy, we got more wardrobe slots. That was the best day of my life. <laughs> the uh, There's when playing, uh, like, because I started playing time. WoW with Chris back in October and I still haven't finished Shadowlands. I, I'm such a multiplayer. Like, if I'm playing with people, I'll play the game and have a good time. I, ha- I cannot solo these games. I just like, eh, I'll just go play something else with friends. But uh, it's really cool for me to have experienced WoW like so late in its uh, in its in its life cycle because it's like there's things that I find in Final Fantasy 14 that I'm so like wow like I didn't realize I was spoiled by because in WoW you have the add-ons and the add-on community is phenomenal and I was like how how to do this and Chris was like okay go download an add-on I'm like man that's awesome that that exists and then I go to 14 it's like oh that just exists natively so they can kind of 14 can kind of be like what are people using and needing. And it's unfortunate that in 14, we don't have that because they're not going to leverage the creativity behind the 14 community to kind of say, oh, okay, let's go ahead and do that. A lot of people are uh, taking advantage of it. So like the same, like in, in WoW's favor, like, yeah, transmog and being able to manage that as opposed to 14, like there's a, always this inventory crisis that no matter what, like Yoshi P comes out on stage and says, we're giving you more inventory, standing ovation, right? And then it, and then it's like, you know, oh, yeah. And then he's like, and uh, we're deleting ultimate. You know, it's like, and still, the, the, they remain standing and cheering. And then somewhere in the back, a couple of raiders are uh, crying. But, uh, <laughs> oh, man, it's just, it's they, so You don't even have to reboot WoW to get add-ons anymore. You just reload. You're done. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All As right. if that was too inconvenient. Because <laughs> I think on WoW, we have like 20 add-ons. We have too many. Yeah. Yeah. 20. I think I've had yeah, over 100 before. Oh, over 100, man. <laughs> just, yeah, because some of them will have like sub add-ons and you've got, you know, you know, it's like, oh, this does base UI, but then these are all the different skins to that UI. And, and this is how that interacts with this other. There's a, Here's an add-on that makes these two add-ons talk to each other. So like you can, you have one add on that's managing checking the auction house to see what prices are. There's another one that's managing your pets. There's one that makes those talks. So in your pet menu, you can see what that pet is worth. So you can, oh, it's amazing. Can do any- so I want to, I want, I want, um, sorry. I'm just like, man, brain uh, spark. So at the core of it, like we spend a lot of our times talking and playing about MMORPGs and I think there's a love and a passion and there's definitely a community behind the MMORPG. And so I want to talk about the absolute state of the MMORPG. A couple of videos actually came into my feed this week and it's always nice when some videos kind of pop up. Uh, one from Lazy Peon talking and naming his video called The Absolute State of the MMORPG. And another one from a lesser known creator, I'll include both in the links uh, below, but talking about how nostalgia has blinded us making what we thought we want MMOs to be uh, was really kind of just rooted in nostalgia. When we had time, when we had, like, we didn't have jobs and bills to pay, that there was a time in our lives where, and we have that nostalgia for it. And so I want to kind of sit down with y'all um, because we still have this love for MMORPGs and talk about that in an honest way, as best we can, um, about the current outlook on it. We just talked about the games that we're excited about. But what is going right for MMOs here in 2021? What is going wrong for MMOs in 2021? Because the core principled argument is that if you go look at the top MMOs, which are the safe ones to go and play, they're the same ones that have been there pretty much for the last 10 years. What do you guys think? That's because people are comfortable with what's currently available. If a new game, like, okay, let's take a look at uh, Estelia Online, which came out... I don't know if it was at the end of 20... I think it was sometime during 2019. It came out as a buy-to-play MMO. And we jumped into it. And uh, it was a very traditional MMO. Uh, It was... uh, I don't remember if it was like a a hybrid of tab target and action or if it was tab target. Because it was definitely not an action MMO. But uh, it was very traditional it had a very traditional questing system uh it utilized segregated zones like things like blade and soul like uh final fantasy 14 it was essentially like the same mmo that we've gotten every year for the last i don't know decade now and like final fantasy 14 is a game and world of warcraft are games that uh that people have grown to 
know and they have grown accustomed to and they keep going back to because these are games that they believe just do whatever these new games are doing better. And people just don't necessarily give these new games a chance. Uh, yeah, Astelia wasn't really great, but it also at the same time wasn't innovating anything and it wasn't bringing anything new to the table. And if you think about it, like, do you want to play a game that you've already played and that you're already actively playing again, just with a different skin when you've already uh, devoted hundreds, if not thousands of hours of your time to a game already? Mm -hmm. So that is an issue that I've seen that people just don't seem willing to give other games a chance necessarily. And because of that, the, the, the game itself never has the opportunity to grow. Destiny 2, I think, points out a counterpoint to that. Because that was a perfectly established game. So familiarity was there from day one. You logged in, you immediately knew how the combat system worked. You immediately knew how to play your Guardian. You had classes you were familiar with. You had a loot system you were familiar with in a new and fantastic world. So it was a new MMO with all of the familiarity and nostalgia baked in. But what happened is you you didn't have anything to do when you caught up. So I think, I think one of the counterpoints to that that the established MMOs have that's not just comfort is when you run out of things to do. Today, I got... I spent two hours doing triple triad stuff in zones that are five years old. Like just the sheer quantity of content gives established games such an advantage over new that it's, I don't think it's just comfort. I think when a new game launches, it's really hard to keep up with how much is there. But that's because the games have been established over that period of time. Because initially like yeah. the triple triad as an example was introduced when they introduced a golden saucer into into Final Fantasy XIV, right? And that mm -hmm. was introduced as a at a later point in the game's development. Right. And so, a new game doesn't have it. Even yeah, if it's they a don't better have combat system. Or... They don't have. Yeah, exactly. So, people again, that just falls back to the the point about people not being willing to give these games a chance because, like, taking Astelia again as an example here, if people actively supported that game for three years, for five years, they may have actually had the funding to introduce features and mechanics into its game that could have allowed it to compete with something like Final Fantasy XIV. But when you have a game or you have multiple games that have so much depth to them, then no new game is ever really going to compete. So, so who's responsible for that? Yeah. Is it a publisher that's supposed to give them three years of, of funding? Are they supposed to secure that? Are we as players supposed to have an amount of time that we all agree to pay $15 a month? So $100, $200 a year. So we all just need to strap in and say i like the way this trailer looks i need to prepare to give them six hundred dollars over a three-year period like what who who is responsible like who makes that happen because i don't i don't disagree that at the end of that three years we can get a big payout but who pays for it well i feel like due to players not wanting to invest money into it and time into it and due to the developers themselves not having the funding to introduce features like that into the game mm -hmm. we're we're not really ever going to have a point unless it's a, 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 a developer like Riot Games with their new uh, Runeterra MMO, unless they have like that initial funding at the, the beginning of the, the game's development, they're never really going to be able to introduce those mechanics into the game that will allow for players to dedicate the time and the, the money to it to allow for it to become successful. And that isn't the player's fault. And uh, players should not feel obligated to pay you know more than like the initial buy-in for the game if they don't want to mm -hmm. uh but in in so doing that they're not allowing the company to give the game the 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 room to grow so it's kind of like it's both the company and the player's fault but at the same okay. time neither one uh, like a game can't achieve what it necessarily needs to achieve alone without that player input and without that right. uh, the player interaction. So honestly, the, the players themselves aren't required to pay for it, but if they don't, then the company, I don't think will have the ability to create a game that players want otherwise, unless again, it's, a, it's like a, a big company like Amazon with uh, New World or maybe Bandai Namco with Blue Protocol or Riot with uh, the Rune Terror MMO. So the Google has that much money and they still ended their in-house studios. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's Google though. <laughs> <laughs> just I'm just so then it becomes a monetization question. Well, like, it do sounds you guys like have feelings on that. Okay. 
on like uh how games monetize how, their yeah uh, yeah i think that's been a big controversial subject and when you talk about the state of mmos we've had things like genshin impact bdo on one hand and we've and you've got wow and 14 on the far other end where it's yeah they have a, a shop but it really is pay your 15 bucks and you're kind of done but I mean, just stepping away from financial, from just a standpoint as someone who's new to MMOs coming mm -hmm. in, uh, playing these older MMOs, like I can't tell you the amount of sense of wonderment I had going into WoW, mm -hmm. to Final Fantasy, to Star Wars, The Old Republic, just like the urge to be on and play for hours because I am so wrapped up in this game. There has not been another MMO that has released where I feel engaged with it like Estelia like Mark said is just like a reskin of every other MMO I think we need to redefine what MMO RPGs are we need that next step and I know there's a lot of games touting this is new gen MMO we have like the best features this is going to blow your mind on how different it is and you go in and it's just the same thing same thing well, and it's the same, like there's y'all presented it essentially in the answer, uh, a cursed problem, right? You know, in that regards where it's like you have two things that are like they're actively fighting. If you can find the, the answer to that problem, uh, then it's like that's when all of a sudden, you know, like lightning strikes and everybody's like, oh, my goodness. And uh, game development used the term, uh, you know, cursed problem like, oh, this game is going to offer endless exploration and we're also going to be able to like an endless progression and at the same time we're also going to make it easy for players to catch up to you you know like that is something that like always like it never feels good but it also you understand the reasons why for it right because if you don't have new people coming in eventually you have plenty of people leaving and then you're you're kind of stuck in a, in a rock and a hard place but how do you not dis can you know discount the effort that people have put into their grind to their their quest and things like that um but then also yeah like i think we had that that period where everybody saw a lot of money a lot of, to be made within mmos and then they just started like trying to copy and paste what wow was doing you know they're like oh and then yeah you guys hit the nail on the head like who's going to go jump you know into a whole new experience to start over from scratch if the game isn't doing anything different and that's essentially that's kind of the root of this of this specific topic is that have we what what level of innovation do we expect to hope for i would say fortnite i would say some of these other games are kicking mmos butts because they're even doing it more massively than what we would define as an mmo i only run dungeons in four and eight man you know within final fantasy 14 but I'm in a, like, and I don't even play Fortnite. It's not my kind of game. But I'm seeing that there are games that are actually being more massively multiplayer online than what we would have find the MMORPG. Is MMO, are, is the state of MMOs currently stale and lacking and ripe for innovation? Or are we just kind of set in our ways and that's just going to be the end of it? Well, I feel like, uh, like, as an example with Blue Protocol, mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not sure like how much you guys know about it, but the, the world itself is, you know, uh, utilizes segregated zones, but mm -hmm. at the same time, yeah, channels. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, segregated zones, more like zones that have loading screens that prevent you from, uh, having like a full open experience, like something like wow, or mm -hmm. a sandbox experience like black desert. And they also so, have Shadowlands actually added that in for the first time. Feels so weird. <laughs> And they also have it with, though with the zone itself as in within channels, so you can actually yeah. kind of get like funneled into a zone that they can optimize for the right number of players. And I think that's actually quite fast. Like a technical technology perspective is intriguing. Go ahead, go ahead. So with Blue Protocol and the zones themselves, they're imposing a uh, a limit on how many players are allowed to be within each zone. And like, there are plenty of games that do this. Like ESO does it with their mega server technology, and even Final Fantasy XIV does it. You're scaled down to having like I think I don't know 100 people per zone or something like that. But Blue Protocol has a 20 player limitation imposed on it, and so like Blue Protocol was initially advertised as an MMORPG or an MMO rather. And uh, there are people that are claiming that it is no longer an MMO because you will only see up to 20 people out in the world itself. Mm -hmm. And we're beginning to see that companies, like even with New Genesis coming out, uh, 
they are beginning to limit the amount of players that are out in the world. It's no, it, the, the massively multiplayer aspect of the MMORPG is continuing to decrease in scale and yeah. size. And if you think about it, like it does make sense because, you know, like you don't necessarily need to see 173 other people wandering around the zone, kill stealing you. And, you know, like, yeah, it was cool to see back when classic WoW was a thing like back in, uh, vanilla and back in like TBC and Wrath of Lich King. And, but like this day and age, a lot of people prefer to tackle a specific type of content and these zones having like hundreds of people occupying them is no longer possible or necessarily needs to, uh, it no longer needs to be a thing. Yeah. Because it just, there's no real purpose to it anymore. So I think like, uh, the whole massively multiplayer thing needs to be reworked. Personally, I mean, Ishgard Restoration in fourteen brought a lot of people into one area at the same time. Um, fishing raids in WoW, so like when they're all like-minded, it's really fun still to occasionally kind of break the game. Um, but it's it's rare. It's got to be we're all there for the same thing at the same time, and only when that content's designed for that. It's not fun when it's an expansion launch quest giver that we're all trying to run to, and it's crashing the servers, and we're <laughs> yeah. not gaining anything. We're just yeah. all trying to right-click the same guy. That's not engaging gameplay. Um, I'm looking forward to Endwalker for that. Well, so, I, it was so know. good from uh, from Stormblood to Shadowbringers because they were able to address and yeah, fix good. that. We didn't have. Like the, uh, the like the Robon Extreme, you know, that was basically keeping people from continuing. And it was like, oh my goodness! But it, that's one of the things I do appreciate about Square Enix is they learn and they they fix. And so that, well, I have yet to see the same problem in their games happen more than once. Right? Same thing even with their fan fests. When we went to the last physical fan fest, Chris, you know, I was like telling Chris, I was like, oh man, first one that was a massive problem. We that's so smooth. Second one, boom, that was a big problem. Oh, they fixed that now, and it's like, okay, I'm wondering what the this new uh, if there's going to be a new problem. And overall, had a generally like incredible experience yeah. with it. So I always hope that people can learn. I think what y'all have brought up, and this is just my opinion, but just kind of in, in general to talk about it is that. I think essentially what is kind of currently holding MMOs back because whether from the design perspective, a player perspective comes down to technology. Not everybody has like machines that can, or the internet bandwidth that can that like some of these things that, that I think would overall kind of bring in uh, that kind of spice that kind of like uh, re like reinvigorating the, the, the genre. And I think, and the way where I get from that is that I don't need to see a hundred people on screen but I do always appreciate when somebody impacts my world and it could be just the subtlest thing. They did this quest or they, they did this, they like the player driven economy kind of mindset where it's like people have crafted that weapon that I'm now using. And uh, rather than just like all these just monster loot boxes, like I find that like what I look in my personal view about the MMO is that even if we don't see each other or ever interact in any kind of way, we're still there. Like we're still kind of a part of this, this world and this experience that we, that we log in. And I, and I, I'm an old school MMO player. Like I honestly, like the, the current theory that I'm operating on is that I would love to see an MMO not have a dailies system, a chores based system. And I'm, I, I don't know what that, if that's possible because it's a psychological thing, right? Cause the rewards are so good that it's, you just kind of do it. And then it's like, we've seen different iterations of it, but I'm kind of personally like would love to see an MMO that is just like, I just go and do whatever. Like, as opposed to like, I got to log in and do my chores. And somebody was, we were talking about this very topic and they're like, I just, every, every reset day, I just log in and do all my chores. And then the rest of the week I can do whatever I want. I'm like, I don't know if that's good design. Any thoughts on, on the daily system? Cause y'all kind of got a good chuckle out of that. So you have an opinion. I know he mentions it a lot in terms of like me signing on to final fantasy i'm like oh it's tuesday i need to go do this i need to go get my currency for the week and he's just like why that's because wow burned me out on it retention mechanics are a thing and wow is super good at them shadowlands in my mind is a good expansion they did a great job introducing a lot of things and where i'm hearing frustration are people that went in and they said hey here's 10 checkboxes 
and we've built a, a crate you can open at the end of the state. If you do any of the three phases, you're good. And people are like, cool, I'm going to do all 10 and get all three rows, even though I can only pick one thing from any of them. And then they do 10 things every single week, each one being an hour or two long. And they really only like three of them, but they do the other seven anyway. And then after a few months out of nowhere, they're like, I think I hate this. It's like, yeah, you weren't supposed to do all 10. Like nobody told you to do that. It's a lot of retention mechanics, but they wouldn't put them in the game if it didn't work. Like WoW is the king of them. I quit WoW and Pandaria because they lifted the daily cap and that didn't make me do more dailies, but I felt like I had to. Dude, back in uh, Miss of Pandaria, like, oh God, just I get PTSD thinking about having to do dailies back then. That's when I quit is because I looked up and I had, I had between raid and um, dailies, I had probably 30 hours of commitments a week before I was allowed to do something I wanted. And so like, I was like, Oh, I'm going to go do these transmog farms. I'm going to go do these. Oh, somebody found this cool, fun thing I'm going to do. Oh, I'm going to go get involved in pet battles. I want to try out more PVP stuff. Let me just finish my 40 hour job in wow. And then I was like, wait, I'm paying them $15 a month to work 40 hours a week for them so that I'm allowed to play at the end. So a lot of things I like about 14, they actually existed in WoW when I quit. I just didn't know how to quit the job and not quit the game. And so I just left altogether and I skipped WAD and I came back in Legion and I play the game differently now. Um, and it turns out it's like, oh, there's like this whole other game. You never had to do that. You didn't have to sprint on the gear treadmill. You were never gonna reach the far wall. It was never gonna happen. The moment you feel like you can touch it, they're like, oh, here's a new patch. You got a new tombstone, you got a new gear eye level, you got a new set of LFR raids you can do. It's like, it never ends. Dailies, like I got really burned out on dailies, but the the very first game that I played, like I know I've mentioned this twice now, but it was Tales of Pirates. And that is the only MMORPG in my entire history in the genre that did not have any dailies at all. Uh, you would log in, you would grind. There was a, there were very minimal quests. So it was one of those, you know, like very Chinese grindy games where you're forced to, if you want to remain competitive, you need to get in there and grind like four, eight, 12 hours a day because you need to accumulate that few percentage over the, the, the that multitude of hours. But uh, the game predominantly took place around uh, instant dungeons, and these dungeons themselves were completely open. So kind of like how ESO handles theirs, they allow you to enter public dungeons, which I think is a really cool, very cool feature, by the way. Uh, but so all of the raids in Tales of Pirates were public raids. There would be uh, like, there was this raid boss called the Black Dragon. It took about 24 to 48 hours straight to actually kill. So, so like other, other groups, and this was like an open world PVP game. So other groups could come in there and you could fight them while fighting the raid boss. And so were the dungeons, but there was never a time where you were required to do a daily because they just didn't exist back then in that game. And that is something that I have attempted to look for in an MMO since, and I've never found. So Guild Wars has some big goofy stuff like that, where I come in and I'm like, what are you doing? And they're like, well, we have to fight this thing. And I'm like, wait, but then why are you doing that? Oh, well, we have this other thing that we have to do. And so like, like as somebody who doesn't play it, um, I go in and just watch and I'm just lost. Cause it's like, I have these like six abstract objectives and I'm like moving around a zone and there's other people, but sometimes I'm on my own. I'm like, oh, and then, and then all of a sudden on the screen, there's like a whole ring of like 27 loot boxes. And I was like, what are those for? And they're like, well, I did a thing. And Oh, I ran out of keys. I was like, how do you get more keys? Like, I'm so confused. Um, it's just chaos. I'm excited. I'm excited because that's really fun. <laughs> I, I, if if, uh, if Guild Wars 2 ever added controller support, I think I'd be in trouble. Uh, he's like, yeah, let's go native. All right. So uh, I know we're a little bit over time, but I still want to kind of explore a little bit of Final Fantasy 14 uh, with you guys um, before we wrap up the podcast. Endwalker hopes, fears, and what we want to see in 6.0. Mrs. Sticks, I'm going to toss to you first and foremost. Uh, you're the, uh, you're the, I would say, kind of, I, I just know you're uh, Final Fantasy uh, 14 the specialist. journey. Better. The specialist. <laughs> I am not the specialist by any means. Uh, I can tell you for Endwalker coming up, I hope that I get to try Sage, but I don't think that's going to be something that's viable for me. For someone that does like the savage raids, 
uh, I know already like people are putting dibs on Sage. So it'd be, it would be pointless for me to go Sage and still want to continue doing like raid content because everyone else is going to be a Sage and I need to be a white mage or maybe I should go shield. I know, what is it, Astro who's losing their shield ability? We assume, but it would make sense that they're, because they're going into the pure healer category along with White Mage. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, then we'll actually see, uh, I think it'll be easier for balancing perspective between uh, the healers themselves, but go ahead. So it's going to end up having to be Sage and Scholar, really, that do the shielding. So I think from a healer perspective, I'm afraid on where I'm going to be needed within the raids. Uh, cause I mainly main white mage. So I feel like if there, there are sages, like I'll, I'll be able to fit in there mm -hmm. if they shield, I feel like I'd be a great addition to that raid, but I can't tell you how many pugs are like, we don't want double white mage, but I did last year, double white mage. No problem. Did well, Shiva. White mage Fine. became just the, the, the right choice. And that's why I'm happy to see we're actually getting, and going to have two barrier versus two pure, because I think that's going to help from just a balancing perspective and a, and a game design perspective, because yeah, uh, white mage could shield. Yeah. White mage could do this. You know, it's like, and then it also does these other things and it just happens to be like, even if it's just slightly better, it becomes the, the, the de facto. I said, see you later scholar. And it's just been white mage, white mage, white mage. And it feels so good that even like, Oh man. It, yeah. I missed my fairy, but I don't miss my fairy enough that it matters. You know? So I was just like, all right, I'm excited to see how the sage and the scholar, how, like, what kind of, like, what's the, the trade-off, right? Because I don't want, like, I felt like this last expansion, we got a lot of healer homogenization. What I don't mm. want to see is that actually happen again, where it's just like, you know, oh, you can, either one. Like, there's no difference between them. It's just another XP bar or something to level. Uh, we'll have yeah. to wait and see. And working with the other healers, too. Mm -hmm. That's going to be very different having another healer thrown in there. So then I have to learn what their abilities are and how to work together with them. So that that's what I'm afraid of. And then I'm excited for what this new class will be. That's still what kind do you guys of think? like, what do you think it is? I... Reaper. That's what everyone thinks. So, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Everybody's like uh, Reaper. And then there's other th uh, random theories. Like people are like, he just did rock bands. Rock equals Geomancer. I'm like, dude, let it go. <laughs> oh. I'm hoping though that in uh, in Endwalker, because in Shadowbringers we lost more of our class identity, mm -hmm. and now like each, so I'm like a I main black mage and warrior. I've been playing them oh. since two point two point one two point one or two point two. And uh, I have always loved Black Mage. I just, something about it really appeals to me. Uh, and I have enjoyed Warrior. I liked that during Stormblood, uh, you had a lot of self-sustainability. And that there were, you could go like 15, 20, 30 seconds when you pop your defensives and you pop your heals. Like you were immortal for literally like multiple pulls if necessary. And then when Shadowbringers came, they absolutely gutted my class to make me us more like the other tanks. And then the tanks just kind of became tanks and the healers kind of just became healers as opposed to them having their own individual identity. And I hope that with Endwalker, we don't continue down that, uh, that route of removing what makes each class special. Because like in WoW, you know, the Resto Shaman is very different to the Holy Paladin. That's very different to the Resto Druid. That's different to the Discipline Priest. Like they're all really, really diverse. And I feel like that diversity is slowly disappearing in, in Final Fantasy fourteen. So I'm really hoping that's something that I'm concerned about. Because like I, I, I played Warrior because it appealed to me and I didn't like that Paladin had like low damage and had a lot of self-absorbs, mm -hmm. like damage absorbs. Yeah. And uh, and like Dark Knight, when it came out uh, in Heavensward, I don't know, like it seemed squishier than the Warrior and the Paladin to me, but it had like higher damage and a, a larger focus on AoEs. And then the Gunbreaker came out. And like at, at the end of the day, I always preferred the Warrior 
and they're just getting it further and further and that's just disappointing i, I felt hope that like i continue. felt i saw that like i felt that way with warrior when i played it at the media tour i was like huh this is just not like going from like because like warrior i main warrior as my tank in uh in, in stormblood and then when i went and played the media tour i go yeah i don't think i'm gonna be playing warrior this expansion <laughs> chris just stuck it out i'm like tip of the hat he gave man. us hammers we got a hammer <laughs> we got a hammer glam that's the most love we've gotten this expansion and so like i unlock i've i've uh i've got every stage of the relic done on my warrior so far finished my 15 deliverum said that's a really cool glow apply hammer um so like i got a hammer i got a dwarven hammer that's the big win uh i have the fellest of cleaves it's the it's the black mage of the tanks and i know like people like oh no dark is all like black and dark no 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 big boom single big number this is what i want the warrior i I can relate fell cleave um i i'm hope warrior i i do feel that warrior got the most love through the story Without talking spoilers through Shadowbringers, I felt like that story was written for warriors. I'm glad that other other classes think it was written for them. They're wrong. It was most enjoyable to play Shadowbringers on Warrior. Uh, fact. So this expansion, I'm a little concerned. I was like, well, what are the odds that I get two expansions written for me? It's probably about another class. I bet it's those those filthy paladins. It is concerning, though, that they are going to end the story that has been going on for what seven years now i'm excited about that that's how you welcome new people in we cannot make this a seven or nine hundred or fifty two hundred hour rpg and be like well new players um get to work get going you got to do it all in order that cannot be the answer so like giving them an on-ramp at 6.1 and then saying okay new game plus is there if you want to go back um that gives them a chance to say hey we've gotten better at game design since arr arr was really fun during arr but like we've gotten better at game design since then hopefully i mean ideally that's ideally they're trying to grow as a development team and so they can say hey let's invite people in 6.0 here's a story you're kind of end medias rest right it's like whoa i don't know what's going on 6.1 here's a new story and when you have time between patches we have 16 week patch cycles very few people do everything in a patch why don't you go back and get familiar with where we came from um Except then you have less time to actually craft that story, and that becomes an issue, I think, if mm-hmm. you're going to going to begin a story and then end it all within the same uh, patch cycle, like cycle of expansion. Like if yeah. Endwalker, yeah. as an example, starts its new story in 6.1 and then ends it in 6.5, do you have the time to grow, uh, to become attached know. to individual characters, and do do they have enough time to actually explore everything? over the course of those four patches yeah that's actually know, the, the be... benedict cumberbatch the benedict cumberbatch um uh sherlock um that jumping to being a longer episode allows them to create a better mystery television show for exactly what you're saying they have more canvas to develop a story arc so not every episode needs to be a part one part two um they can say hey i have 44 minutes instead of 22 i can actually get a lot done in that time so that's a valid concern yeah it's going to be interesting to see because I mean, it's kind of been maybe hinted at that we would see more smaller kind of stories and things like that. So the question is, is would they de- develop another epic, uh, you know, like we've seen from 1.0 to uh, the end of 6.0? I hope that we actually get to see some real ramifications uh, on this and have because we've we've argued that, like, if you don't end your story, though, like at some point it just becomes a, a system of lost versus breaking bad. I respect breaking bad as a as an entire series because they bowed out despite its popularity they're like that's the story like we're you know and yeah they've done kind of like the spinoffs with better call Saul. that's all well and good but like if they're going to sit here and say like here's the story like there's a uh, uh, you know an act one an act two an act three boom there you go um and the question is is then what do you do with the football then like what like how does 6.1 pick this up in a meaningful way that has us invested in that and i'm hopeful that 6.0 is that that thing that we just go holy crap i can't believe they did this nobody you know could have ever pulled this off and honestly we'll find out what it is i'm trying not to set my expectations to ludicrous because you know they're humans after all and this is the age of covid so who who knows what will happen i want to go back you want to go i want back? to go to pre 1.0 and understand how we got here 
But looking well, at the the story, no, sorry, gone. Well, if there ever was a Final Fantasy uh, classic. <laughs> No, I don't want to go back and play the gameplay. No, narratively, I want to go pre 1.0. Narratively, I want to go back and understand how we got here. But talking about the the story here, uh, if the game, like people often associate Final Fantasy IV, maybe not necessarily like a Realm Reborn, but after 3.0, people associate Final Fantasy XIV with a well told narrative, and. Then on the other side of the spectrum, there's a game like WoW, which every expansion is set around its own story for the most part. Mm -hmm. And people have talked smack about every expansion story, every expansion's lore since Wrath of the Lich King, with the exception of Legion. And that is an example of what could potentially happen with Final Fantasy XIV if they have... uh, stories that are told exclusively over a single expansion period Mm -hmm. so i'm hoping they don't go that route i think it's gonna be interesting to see so we'll have to check out uh check uh, back in with you guys uh after especially the launch of 6.0 see how like what's our takeaway what's our questions that remain and more so um we'll start with mr uh with sticks what let's say we'll start with mr sticks uh, hey, everyone calls me Mr. Sticks anyway. Uh, there so. we go. Perfect. Any other? Uh, any final thoughts? Anything you want to share? Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on YouTube at MMOBite if you want to, or on Twitter at ByteSticks. Uh, I mean, I have a, an Instagram. I don't really post there because I don't like Instagram really. But uh, yeah, uh, or you can find us on our Discord, which you can find like in the description area of any of our videos uh yeah i'm on twitter all the time literally every day or on twitch as well we stream three days a week uh yeah that that's pretty much where you can find me mrs sticks anything any final thoughts you want to share thank you guys for having us on here and thanks for talking about mmos that are coming out this year and that we're excited for because most people don't realize what mmos are coming out this year or what even are mmos the frequency so. with which we get asked, like, what's coming out this year is absurd. We got five games. That's about it. Five announced games currently. <laughs> confirmed games, yeah. Yeah. Lots after that. Yeah, yeah. There are plenty scheduled for, like... A- Ashes is way out there in the distance. Yeah. 2023, at least. Yeah. At least. At its earliest. <laughs> Chris, any final thoughts? Uh, no, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, just... That's it. We we I went full time this year, and um, I'm just I had goals to, you know, what kind of content we'd be putting out and all that. And we are so far past all of this. So 2021, you know, 2020s thankfully I think set a really low bar for a lot of people. So 2021 is off to a solid start. All um, right. Let's 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 see what these MMOs can give us. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in live on Twitch or over here on GGR. Uh, if you guys enjoyed these videos, be sure to give them a like. Thumbs up, all that social media stuff. But for the Casually Hardcore Podcast, my name is Brian. This has been episode, I believe, 72. (laughs) Um, I can't remember the count now. Either way, thanks so much for being here. Hopefully you guys have a fantastic day. And hopefully we'll see you in our next one. But until then, take care.